Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. I appreciate everyone tuning in and listening. I really appreciate the support. It's been fun being able to learn and talk with a bunch of these guys who are consistently killing big, big animals. So this week, we got Ben Sandal. I'm really excited about this episode. We talk about preseason scouting for early season bucks and um, some techniques. I learned a lot from listening to Ben, and he's got some great knowledge, so I hope I hope the listeners can le- learn too. And then we also get into his story about his big elk from last year on a limited opportunity unit. He kills a giant bull, so that's an awesome story you're not going to want to miss. But before we start, I just want to thank the sponsor of our podcast, Scout to Hunt. It's a completely free offline GPS mapping app. You can find it on the Apple Store. All you have to do is download it, create a free username and login, and you're good to go. Anyways, let's get started. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. I'm really excited about this episode. We got Ben Sandal on. He has quite the track record for killing uh, velvet bucks there in over to the counter units, archery units in Arizona. Um, so I actually first pretty much met Ben. Uh, we were doing a shed hunt for scout to hunt, and we kind of just hit it off. We were both pretty passionate about big bucks. So I'm really excited to pick his brain, so thanks for getting on, Ben. Dude, you are the man. Dude, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> and uh, I, I feel privileged to be on the Dirty Giants podcast because I wouldn't exactly say that I'm a, a Dirty Giant killer, but, man, I do love mule deer, and I try to kill the biggest deer that I possibly can around here. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, uh, it's a privilege to be here, and thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, let's just jump right in. I want I want to try to just pick your brain. So if you if you follow Ben Sandel, you know that he's helps on the Kaibab a lot too. He's helped on giant bucks, and then he. It seems like every year for the past 10 years or so, he's just been putting down a, a really nice velvet buck. So I kind of wanted to get into um, kind of like preseason scouting for velvet bucks, early season bucks. Um, so I guess like kind of the first um, the first question I have is kind of like, so how do you like start that? When do you typically kind of start your – your scouting and like how does that kind of look? So we, um, it, so every state's obviously going to be different. So to give everybody a background on Arizona, baiting is illegal. Salt using salt licks is legal, um, and I don't know how you know technically it's not classified as baiting, but it's probably everybody uses it the same way. So we're allowed to use salt licks, we, but we can't like bait with apples or any sort of non-natural um, substance. And uh, but where my scouting typically starts is it really comes from, you know, being in the area for a long time, knowing kind of where the groups of bucks have hung out in the past, and I will start my scouting typically right about the time that they're starting to they they drop and and then they start growing that's when i go when i replenish my cameras replenish my salts and uh kind of just get set up for kind of what's coming just so that i can keep an eye on the on what's you know what's going to be in the area so that's kind of when it starts 
uh, for me is going to be that April May time frame. I like to get out because Arizona it can be boiling hot, and I, I like to get out before the heat gets crazy, and um, and then I replenish all my salts, kind of see how they how they how you know which salts have been performing or whatnot over the winter um, or through the spring. I mean, and then uh, and then yeah, and it just kind of look look at that, and then and then as I go, I. I will decide whether or not I need to abandon certain salts and create new salts. But salt is kind of like the best way that I have found to locate or pattern big bucks in an area. Um, salts or water, uh, you know, that's kind of like the, the biggest thing. Uh, water is kind of tough uh, in Arizona. There's not a lot of it. Um, a lot of them are trick tanks, dirt tanks. And so with those water sources, they get a lot of pressure. People know about them, and I don't like to leave trail cameras up on water sources for a long period of time because that's where most of them get stolen. So with that being said, that's kind of how I do my, my scouting is uh, I use salt mm-hmm. and then use uh, trail cameras to kind of monitor deer, monitor growth that way starting in May typically. That makes sense. So are you when, you're, when you start that early, are you typically looking from bucks kind of from previous years since you've been doing it so long, are you trying to like find bucks that made it through that showed a lot of potential last year or are you kind of branching off to new spots or kind of both? I I do both. I don't put all my eggs in one basket because with over the counter units, especially, uh, I mean, anybody can go buy a tag. There could be thousands of people hunting. And so you never know which groups of bucks are going to get pushed. So I try to, keep track of multiple different groups of bucks and then kind of go with not only the biggest buck, but the best odds for harvesting that buck. So that's kind of how I, how I gauge it. So. Okay. uh, That makes sense. So how, like from year to year, I mean, I I bet it's probably different with different areas and different bucks, but are you finding that most of your bucks will come back or like 50%? No, you know what's weird, dude? I can't figure it out, like, for the life of me. Because, you know, we hunt coos deer, we hunt mule deer. Coos deer, you know, they, they tend to stay in the same general area. The mule deer come back, but what's crazy is is I don't know if it's because it, it's something to do with either the monsoon season or something, but, like, the groups of bucks, they'll actually have, like, a – there'll be a, a – big healthy number of bucks and within that big healthy number of bucks you'll have a couple really big ones um like like next level bigger than any deer that i've killed i've seen a few of them and then uh, like three weeks before the hunt starts those bucks just kind of vanish and they did go off on their own but yeah every year i'm looking at the next generation of bucks for for where i hunt but you know they issue so many rifle tags um, you know, for our general season hunt that that you can't ever keep track of a buck. If you were to be like, oh, I want to let that buck live, like that's nice, but the chances of that buck coming back is very, is not very high because they use yeah. rifle tags and, and, you know, there's a good chance that that buck's going to, you know, not going to make it uh, during the rifle season. So we don't really, we used to kind of hope to, you know, let the bucks live, but then you're also looking at, you know, what's the chance that somebody else is going to smash a buck that you probably could have, should have taken with your bow, you know? 
Right, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially because yeah. it's probably kind of managed more for opportunity, those units, than. Oh, yeah, it's definitely opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, there's there's hunters everywhere, and, you know, it's just kind of, it's like, I don't know, you can get it down to a science and kind of figure these deer out, but it could be all over the first the first day. So, um, yeah, but the, what's what's crazy though is that the bucks they they tend to summer in the same general area. It's never exact. Sometimes they'll they'll hit the exact same pattern, but they will summer in the same. They'll come right back and summer there, and and you'll see some of the same bucks, and you'll see you know some bucks that are uh, up and coming. So that's that's what's nice is usually if you can find where groups of bucks are hanging, you can find it bucks there every year um you know oh, okay. that makes sense yeah so if you kind of have one spot then it might always kind of produce a buck or two yep so yeah um with that like so let's say you get like two or three bucks on different cameras that are potential shooters are you going to kind of narrow, like, so now this time of year when it's kind of maybe time to start narrowing it down, uh-huh. are you going to start moving cameras and narrowing it down to, like, three bucks, or do you have, are you trying to, like, keep tabs on five bucks? Like, do you kind of narrow it down once the season gets closer? Yeah. So the way that it it's all based off the odds, I look at, like, I can find the, you know, so many different bucks and then it's like okay i can have a buck that's going to come in but you know let's say nine times out of ten he's going to come in at dark and then i have another buck that's going to come in you know five times out of ten it's going to be dark uh, you know so that i i got to just kind of pick because the biggest thing about it is is that you've got even though you got three weeks to hunt on the over-the-counter august hunt it, you've really only got a couple days of where you can actually hunt a deer in his pattern where he's not been disturbed because after like the first day it's over so you've you've got to kind of you you got to kind of push away some of the you got to filter through you and look at the best odds of of whatever you know better buck you can actually get so but it's yeah i mean that's like the hardest part is is trying to <clears throat> keep tabs on a buck that that could potentially get bumped or pushed or molested or whatever, you know, or shot. Who knows? It's <laughs> so, like the frustrating. Yeah. Thing. No, that anyway. makes sense. So you you got to capitalize on the first few days, make your scouting scouting count. Yeah, we used to hunt like the last. So we used to hunt the second and the last weekend of the hunt. Typically is when we would go because we, you know, that's when we got real hard the last couple weeks. We would go because the bucks at the beginning of the hunt were so balled up, but then we started realizing that it was harder to kill those kill those deer then or or get those deer then because um, they they were they were so off of their patterns and all the work that we did in the beginning was gone. So we we're like, you gotta you gotta actually the best chance is to get them, you know, even though they're balled up a little bit and haven't fully grown, it's better to better to hunt them the first the first part of the hunt. I see. Yeah. So I've been watching your YouTube videos, um, <laughs> um, and I, there's a buck named Mr. Crab, and you said yeah, you kind Mr. of followed Krabs. him for a couple of years, if I remember right. 
So yeah. what's what's kind of the story on him? I watched the video, but like, what's the before story? Okay, like, so did you did you almost kill him a couple of times, or? Yeah. So the thing about Mr. Krabs is, um, he was one of those bucks that I had hunted later. This is actually like towards the end of the hunt that I actually killed the buck, and um, we got oh, okay. close a few times. But the thing about Mr. Krabs is there was another buck that was in that group that I have, it's on my Instagram, I have velvet video of this other buck, and he had, like, he had ice picks coming off of his back, G2. You know, he was just, like, next-level type buck, and that was the number one target buck. So Mr. Crab was, wasn't even actually the number one hit list buck until, uh, you know, once the heart hunt started. We, we primarily focused on this other buck that had the ice picks. And then once we couldn't turn him up, Mr. Krabs became became more of a, uh, I guess, I mean, he was the biggest, we call him a bully buck because he's just a big bodied, big deer that's not really got a lot going on for him. I mean, he's, you know, really pretty frame, but like crabbed up front forks, you know, and that's why I call him Mr. Crab. So it was almost in a sense kind of a management buck, but he was a good buck to take because he was, he was definitely the more mature deer. Um, but it was after we couldn't we couldn't locate this other deer for you know a few weeks that we, that we really went hard on Mr. Krabs and, and targeted him as our primary buck. That's why it was so exciting to get him because it was you know <laughs> he was just like yeah it was it was uh yeah he, it was it, when you ta- actually target a buck and you kill that buck even if he's not like the biggest deer in the you know in the woods you you feel really accomplished about it so um i'm super happy uh with that deer for sure uh and the way that it worked out was just yeah no that's unreal so and i wish that i had more footage of the you know the actual because you get pinned up and you're like wanting to set up more cameras and, and then your batteries are dying and you just can't anyway it's just one of those things that just got to deal with but it was still a fun hunt yeah yeah that's a awesome video too if, if the listeners haven't watched it you should go check it out on youtube it's under ben sandals lifestyle so but yeah that's a that's an awesome video so you're hunting these over-the-counter units yeah i don't know if it's like something you want to talk about but i'm just curious like what's the biggest buck you've got gotten a picture of if you had to guess the biggest deer i've ever gotten a photo or video of i've never got a picture of them on my trail camera which is probably why i've never killed them uh but the biggest deer that i've ever gotten video of is i can uh, like hands down you know you start throwing out numbers i don't even know if i want to throw out numbers but you know for an over-the-counter deer, <laughs> yeah. if, you can find, if you can find a typical four point that's going to that's going to grow somewhere around 200 like that that's a that's a freaking slob in an over-the-counter unit but not only right. that i found two bucks that i would say were probably grossing high 190s 200 inches running together and they were i mean maybe a half a mile from my salts and i have never turned them up again so really? yeah uh, yeah and the thing is is every buck that i've that i've killed i've gotten on camera um and then even the uh the one buck that i have gotten on camera that i didn't kill that disappeared you know he may have died from a lion or maybe somebody else killed him 
I, I think I would have heard about it if somebody killed him, but um, yeah, it's just like, um, yeah, every buck I've gotten on camera or been able to pattern, we've eventually been able to 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 get, you know, or, or kill. But um, yeah, it's just one of those one of those things that has haunted me is seeing those deer. I bet. And they're just like, you know, I have video of them, and I have spent several years relocating salts, trying to get footage of them, and never been able to turn them up again. So, so this kind of like goes into my next question, kind of like that. So let's say you do see a deer like that once. You see it once, it's in an area. Do you kind of, and then, but you can't turn it up again, like, would you say that's kind of like a fluke, like maybe it got bumped into that area and that's why you saw it, or how do you, you kind of deal with that, like, are you, obviously you keep going back with a deer like that, but how do you yeah. feel like you can kind of, like. I have regrets for how I've handled it, because I think that I could have done it differently. Uh, with Arizona, I think that the water and the moisture has a lot more to play into it than everything else um if you know you have a dry summer the deer could the deer could be into water and be in and being in a spot with water you know and then as soon as the monsoons hit they're moving out of that area into you know where they normally like to be so i think that that plays a big part of it um but another part is to i honestly feel like if i if i wasn't so committed to what i know and it like set in my ways, set in my roots, of of oh these bucks I know these this these you know these deer I know how to kill or whatever. If I wasn't so set into that, I think that I would probably find more success in finding bigger deer or being able to to go and relocate those deer. Um, but I think it's just like maybe it's laziness <laughs> to just be like oh I don't want to go put in the work because it is a ton of work when you're like packing salt and you're trying to establish new places just for it to not pan out when you have like a sure thing that you feel confident in um, that's kind of maybe more or less why I've never ventured uh, to to go and pursue a new and try and relocate those deer you know who knows because you never really know where they're going to be you know you can start in a circle and just keep going out but um yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah that's the hardest thing for me when you turn up a buck and then you go back and go back and go back and you can't find it and then try to figure out where it is if it was just a fluke i start thinking it's a fluke that i even saw it there so yeah that's the way the so my buddy and i we say the same thing it's like it's just a fluke to the point where we're like, it had to have been a dream because we have tried to look glassed. We've gone, and usually, you know, we, we resort to glassing. Like, we try to glass up the buck, and then once we, once we glass up deer, then we, then we start adjusting and moving things. But, yeah, if you're not, if you can't glass them, if you can't, you know, if, you, if you're not picking them up on water sources or whatever, you're like, man, that had to have been a dream. It was a dream. I just brought it off <laughs> as a dream. So, yeah. yeah. So frustrating. But it is what it is. Those 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 big bucks, they're just like they're ghosts. They don't get they don't get big being dumb. You know, they're they're probably living in the thickest crap and they're not going far. So it had to have just been like a fluke that they were that they happened to be in my line of sight. 
<laughs> so let's, let's go back to like you have box that you're consistently hitting your camera. What are some of the things, like do you change anything? So, like are you hauling more salt in there? Or are you obviously you're probably spending more time, but like how often do you check on those bucks before season and like what are your kind of, what do you go through to try to kill those ones? Okay, so so Arizona is, is weird because you have, you have cinders, okay? We have cinder cones, you know, with cinder hills, lava rock, lots of lava rock. We have lots of sand. We have a kind of a like, and what, one thing I look at, especially when I'm establishing a salt in an area that has bucks, sometimes I won't even use salt because one thing I've noticed with salt is that when it rains, the salt will melt, will, will dissolve and go into the ground, and it's the deer will, they will lick the salt, but they actually will, they will dig holes and carve at the ground, and they'll eat the dirt more than they'll eat the salt. So they actually start digging themselves craters, and in fact, my salt craters have now become water sources because they fill up with water now, and they stay, they stay full, you know, unless it's a really, really dry year, they'll stay full for most of the year. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, and that, that, uh, so they just start digging these giant holes. And, um, and so when I, when we, um, kind of get, when we get going, if we have, I pay a, a really close attention to the soil. What kind of soil am I setting salts in? Like, that's a huge thing. So in a lot of soils, I won't even mess with it. If it's really sandy, if it's really uh, cindery, I won't mess with, this, with doing a salt. It's, uh, in my opinion, it's kind of pointless, and the deer don't really hit it anyway. Uh, establishing salt, what I think I've noticed as far as patterns go is, is um, I, I'm talking like I like you know salt is like my primary way of how I killed animals, but really it's all like how I <laughs> like got most of my pictures because I've done a lot of spot and stuff. But um, anyway, but yeah, side side note there. So when I'm uh, as far as the salts go, it's um, um, once once they start hitting the salt, I've noticed that it takes about a year before the before bigger, more mature bucks will pattern to that salt more like regularly. So they'll come and hit it, but it's not. It, I don't know what it is, but it's like the following year is when they'll actually really start hitting it. So if you if you set a salt and you're getting like a lot of small bucks and maybe young does and occasionally you'll get a decent buck come through, just keep going with that salt and eventually I think that those bucks they just like will naturally start like they they start to resort to that salt and they'll hit it. Uh, the does and fawns they they like get glued and hooked on it right away. I stick with white plain salt salt block. That's what I use. Um, you know. We, we're technically not allowed. You can't use like things like Critolic and things like that. But you know, supplements like that work really good as far as getting photos. But you can't hunt off of those um, attractants. But um, so yeah, and then um, some years, depending on the the rains, if it's like super dry, like super super dry, they won't hit. But if it's hot and it, where there's moisture in there and it has rained, but it's it's you know it's dry, but it's you know not overly dry, they'll actually they come to that salt you know pretty regularly. It's it's weird, but the weather plays such a huge part in how how their patterns go. You know, it's it's, it's crazy. Um, so I have so, a question with your last couple things. So yeah. 
you kind of said like the the soil that you don't like, but I guess what kind of soil is it that you'd be looking for necessarily? Dark. Or dark. Dark. If I were to look at like a dark, rich soil, like mm-hmm. you know, like that's just like not clay. You don't want clay. You want dark, rich soil. Something that like big, like you know, just grass would grow in. Um, that's the kind of okay. that's the kind of soil. And then what happens is, is they get down there and they start. You know, the the salt will go, and there'll be rocks down there, and they'll pick up the rocks, and they'll suck on the rocks, and they'll spit the rocks out. So when I go and I check my salts and stuff, there's a pile of little pebbles sitting in the bottom of the salt, and it's from the deer just pawing at the ground, and then they lick the dirt, and then they suck on the rocks, and then they spit the rocks back in, and I just got, like, <laughs> handfuls of, of pebbles that I'm, and rocks that I'm pulling out of my salt. So, um, but, yeah, so, yeah, dark soil. Rich soil. <laughs> So, and then, so I've been watching your videos, too, just, like, with your side note. So, it looks like a lot of your um, bucks, like, you'll get on camera, and you know they're in the area, and then you'll mainly use spot and stock. Is that kind of how you've been doing it? Yep. The 2015 buck I killed uh, over the tree stand, and then I've killed... um, I've killed another like pretty nice four by five over the tree stand, but then all the other deer except for coos deer. So the coos, I've killed one coos buck over tree stand, but then you know my other coos bucks, and then the yeah, I'd say seventy five percent of all my other mule deer are spot and stock. So um, um, like I said, we'll we'll sit like we'll sit salt, but I hate sitting, dude. Like I hate it. Like, I'll do what I have to do to kill a buck, but I hate sitting. So uh, yeah, um, what I what I and what I use my salts for, what I use the cameras for, is to really see what time of day they're active and how often they're hitting. So what I'll do is I'll set up, you know, if I notice that they're kind of going into a general area, the same time of the day or whatever, I'll kind of post up on that route to get there, or you know, I'll just kind of get up on a hill and just kind of watch and then wait for them to bed and. Um, but yeah, that's how I killed my 2019 buck last year. Was just happened to glass him up, and he went in, and they laid down, and I slipped in. And, um, but I knew the bucks were in the area because of the salt. So and it came. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. are you finding that different? So like different groups of bucks. Are there like you say like when they're active? So are some bucks? Would you say are more active in the morning, and some like in the evenings? Um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that has depended on the year. I would say that one thing that is for sure is if it rains in the middle of the day, that evening is going to be really good. So like right after the rain, of course, the animals are going to be more active. They're going to get up. That's the only thing that I can bet on is is the rain yeah. so if i were to be like oh it's raining that means that i need to get get out and you know uh, yeah i can i know i know where to go to get on deer when it rains um but yeah uh that's the only sure bet everything else is kind of moon phase weird kind of you know getting lucky a lot of times <laughs> i mean being honest it's just being in the right place yeah. you know at the right time you try to pattern right. everything, but everything can go out the window you're just like man i was so lucky <laughs> on that 
So I would say that Mr. Krabs, I was lucky on that one. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you you try to be good, but I'll take luck. You know, any day of the week. <laughs> so with your big frame buck from 2019, you had him. Was that the first year you had him on camera and stuff? No, actually, you- I passed up. I passed up that buck. I passed him up the same year I killed Mr. Krabs. And I also passed him up in 2018 at 55 yards. Um, so, yeah, so I call him the big frame buck, but I actually call him 55 because I've passed him up three times at 55 yards. So um, he's uh, – um, so I've, I've passed him up when he was younger. I'd say 150s, 160-type buck. Um, and then the year that I actually killed him, he just he blew up. You know, he's he's stud buck. But um, So would, yeah. would you have passed him – so at the first of your video, you ask if you would shoot him. Would you really have passed that buck in 2019, or was that a joke? Oh, I never would have passed that buck. My buddy <laughs> okay. would have passed him. My buddy's picky. My buddy would have passed My buddy, I'm successful because my buddy's picky. My buddy's like, no, I wouldn't shoot that deer. <laughs> I'm like, what other, bu- what other option do you have? You talk like there's giant bucks everywhere when there's not, you know? He's just, he's just picky, but... You know my my buddy, he's got the late the late season deer figured out, so he he doesn't want to tag a buck in August because you can't hunt over the counter in December. But um, dude, honestly, over the last ten years, I have never been able to hunt hardhorn deer in December because I'm always killing in August. So, <laughs> yeah, you kill too early. Kind of like a it's like a sucky thing. But he he loves to kill in December, so we kind of have this agreement that. I hunt August. I'll kill a buck in August, and then we'll go focus on him in December because he's killed some slammer bucks in December, you know. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, he he wouldn't have killed him. But then after we after I actually killed the buck, he was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like he, he was like, "This thing is sweet," you know. So he, he definitely <laughs> underestimated that deer. Um, but yeah, I mean, he green scored at one eighty six, and then you know he's. Right now he's sitting at like 179, almost 180 as he's dried up. And for a velvet, uh, for a velvet deer, south of the Grand Canyon, that you know they don't get much bigger than that as a typical full point, you know. So. Yeah. But yeah, he yeah. looked. He looked pretty unreal. He's sweet. But so is there is there kind of a buck that's ever gotten away from you that you kind of have a story of that you'd tell? Oh man, there's too many. Like I can't even. So last last year, <laughs> last year there's a buck and he's on my hit list if I can find him. I don't know if I'll find him because like I told you, I don't know what it is. Once a buck gets to be a certain age, they disappear. And and what's weird is I, you know, people will say, oh, it's just lions. Oh, he gets killed. All oh, this and that. But dude, I'm telling you right now, I've been watching these deer for so long, and I've watched multiple in different areas. I'm seeing the same kind of thing, and I see. And I see the groups of bucks. I can locate bucks, identify bucks, and they're, they all hang together. And then what happens is, is these group of bucks, when they're at a certain age, they hang out throughout the whole season, and they hang out all the way, you know, and, and then the next year they show up and they hang out all together like we were talking about. Uh-huh. Some, of them, some of them won't, but they all kind of generally hang out throughout the entire archery season. The bigger bucks, when they're in this group, I don't know if it's like a young bachelor group that I'm talking about specifically, like a younger bachelor group, these bigger, more mature bucks, when they get to be a certain age, they get to a point where two or three weeks before the hunt, 
they split off on their own. And I've gotten, can I've gotten photos of where they were with the group, like you know, July, and then come August 1st, they split off on their own, and they're doing their own thing on their own pattern. And the main bachelor group of bucks, like they're no longer to be seen there, and it happens to be the year that they're the biggest and the oldest buck. And I'm like, man, that's the buck I wanted to kill, and now he's gone. So last year there was a buck that I should have killed. I called him the bases buck. He had eight eye guards, and he was freaking sick. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. and then he, he just like, that. yeah, and then, then mm -hmm. he just vanished. And so he's my, he, if I'm like, I don't, honestly, if, if he shows up, he, he'll prove me wrong this year, but I don't think he's going to show up. I think that he's gone. I think he's gone for good. So, yeah. So what, what, what do you think they do? Just go into the thick timber and. I think that they just, just go into the thick stuff and they just stay there. I, I don't know. Or they go. Just kind of learn. They just they just go and they do their own thing, but I tell tell you this like they they I might be able to find them, but yeah, dude I don't know I don't know they don't they don't do what they did the year before the year before the year before they're doing something totally different and the bases buck is actually a buck that I missed and I should have killed in uh, one my one of my biggest regrets because I didn't really get that serious about it but I should have killed this buck in 2018 I had him bedded at 48 yards and I choked. I choked. I'm so pissed off about it. But yeah, I should have killed him in 2018. Yeah, where I hit the freaking log, dude. <laughs> <What> the? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so pissed. You can hear the log smack in the video, just, and I'm like, what the freak? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just got shooter. I just got shooter brain, man. I got shooter brain. I got all freaking. But yeah, perfect. Buck was bedded. I come down over the top of him, and he's just like. And then he stands up. He's all licking his wound. And when he stood up, while I'm looking through my rangefinder, you know, to to pull another range, he stands up while I'm looking through my rangefinder. My eyes got all glassy, and I'm like, oh no! And I start to get into panic mode, and yeah, I'm choking <laughs> shot. Doofus, dude. I was so mad. But I should have killed that deer. That's the one deer I. I didn't get really that serious because I had a a uh, you know a coos tag down south with Eric and so I was just like oh, I'm just gonna go hunt coos deer and I'm not really that worried about it. Yeah, it's one of my yeah. biggest regrets because my <laughs> velvet wallpaper, my over the counter wall is just velvet wallpaper is what I call it, and it's just like that's like an empty hole that should have been filled. <laughs> you just haven't fought for them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, anyway, I noticed in your 2019 video you switched to the Garmin site is that is that kind of why you switched or so that was a that was a birthday present for my that. wife Matt that was a birthday present for my wife and uh, I will say that I wouldn't say that it was necessarily the reason I killed the deer because I could have killed him with the first shot but that's the reason I was able to get a second shot off and the buck didn't, I didn't risk the chance of the buck getting, you know, wounded. It's a, you know, increased my chance of killing the deer. So yeah, yeah I switched to the Garmin site. I know that they're illegal in some states and if you kill it, you know, a world record, you can't put it in the book. I don't give two flying craps about in a world <laughs> record. You know, I hunt, I hunt for me. I don't hunt for fame and glory or whatever else, you know, and, and whatever uh, can increase my chances of making ethical, you know, kill and, you know, whatever I'm going to take it. So, um, but yeah, it, it, uh, 
it was definitely a, a good move this last season, especially because you know my my bowl even. Yeah, it, it it was it was awesome to have that side on. So, but man, they're expensive. Wait, so I'm I'm kind of glad you mentioned that. I know that we've been talking about deer, but you showed me your bowl at that camp. Do you, would you mind kind of like telling us a little bit about that story? Oh, dude. oh, dude. Yeah. So, all right. So I killed the biggest deer of my life. You know, my 180, my my solid 180 buck is like, you know, great buck. I have a bull tag last year. Super amped about it. I end up amping myself out of, you know, into a psycho, um, and and I put too much pressure on myself. Well, long story short, I end up getting my head right. Day nine of the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, let me know. just set the stage too, because you said it's an Arizona bull tag. Like they're thinking it's a, a great tag, but it was a late oh, no. archery hunt, right? Well, no, it was an early archery, or was hunt, it? But it was an opportunity. Early. It was oh, an opportunity okay. unit. It's not a. It's not a yeah, trophy oh. unit, you know. Right. That's yeah, what it, it was. It, I pe- remember people it need to understand. Like, yeah. There, there's 40 something units in Arizona, and really, like for deer, there's like what four units that are trophy units out of the 40 something units, and then you, you know, over in, uh, uh, and then for elk, there's five, you know, and granted, that's only the units that have, you know, there's so there's not a lot of trophy units in Arizona, and the ones that are that you get are hard to draw. So, this is an what is quote unquote opportunity unit, which means that it's easier to draw, but there's elk there and you can, you know, you have an opportunity of getting one, but they're not necessarily managed for trophy. So that's the right. stage, right? We're good. There we go. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, you know, had a buddy of mine, the bull that I was after wasn't, by any means, you know, the biggest bull that I found summer scouting, but he was a bull that, like, was super impressive, double swords, just a, I mean, one of the top end bulls in the unit. And he was my target bull, and I had a buddy up on the hill, and he was glassing for me for trying to locate this bull. I do, I, in getting into elk, and I know that we're talking about mule deer, but, um, you know, I love to call elk. I, that's one thing that I love to do. And but during the sun, especially opportunity units, one thing that to become a good caller, you just have to know when to shut up. And that's one thing that you know with these elk, you just like you you try to keep your calls to minimum. I wasn't calling, so I was using more glassing, spotting, stalking, spot and stock kind of tactics. Well, we didn't find the bull that morning, but my buddy, my buddy did glass up a mountain lion, two of them, and I was able to go in and shoot one of those mountain lions. And then, um, so, you know, did the whole That's mountain lion so photos and I'm stinking like mountain lion and all this stuff. And so I'm, I rush home to go get changed, showered, everything. I bomb back out and I get out just in time for the afternoon hunt. I slip into an area that I knew that elk liked to bed and I just start working through the trees and I get up on this little high spot and, uh, and yeah, uh, as I'm kind of working through, I owe one of the like the biggest secrets to success. This is one thing that people need to understand. I'm not sponsored by anybody, and no, nor do I necessarily, you know, really that concerned about a boot sponsor. But I'll tell you this: so put your your big clunky boots in the closet, 
and and get out just your lightweight tennis shoes. And and one of the biggest things that is like contributed to all my success, I talk about all this stuff, this prep, everything else. Get some sneaky feet, some sneak tech cushion. They're not a sponsor, nothing. They're, I'm telling you, that's like how you become successful is if you can minimize the chance that a deer or an elk or whatever can hear you, you're going to increase your success. Because the entire time that we're archery hunting, because we're all archery hunters, we're just trying to beat their instincts, like their senses and their hearing, their eyesight, their smell, all that stuff like plays in fact. So get yourself a pair of sneaky feet. I use sneak tech. I'm cruising through. I get up on this little hill. And what do I, like, 70 yards away, bull rips, and here comes cows walking out. And with how crunchy it is out there, but they, they have no clue I'm there. And they just slip on through, and they come down, and, uh, you know, 70 yards away, and I'm waiting for the bull to step out. Bull to step out, doesn't step out. Then the cows kind of turn, and they come down, uh, uh, you know, they're 50 yards. And then I see the bull coming through the trees, and I knew, like, when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's done. Like I'm, 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 if I can get an opportunity, I'm shooting him. So the cows come through at 50 and he kind of stays back and I range him at 90. I'm at, and so I'm a full draw and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to shoot him at 90 yards. And, uh, so I let down the bull and the cows end up kind of moving off. And then bull was like, he, he didn't want him to go cause they, the, the direction they were going was out in the open so he kind of pushed them, and he pushed them right to me, and the cows kind of came up, and they were 30 yards right in front of me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is going to happen. And so the cows are, like, 30 yards, and I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting for this bull to step out, and he never steps out. And then, um, yeah, they they kind of feed off, and as soon as the last cow slips out, I creep up about 11 yards or so, and I come up, and I step into this clearing and the bull and I stepped into a clearing about the same time and the only motion I had was to draw and this is where I kind of uh, you know the Garmin sight that I had like pretty much like saved me on this one because I was able to draw and I was and he caught motion he thought I was a cow and he ripped a bugle and I just like settled my pin 60 yards and just got and that arrow just like trues to me and right as he finished his bugle that arrow just blew through him and he you know, no, uh, yeah, dude, he freaking, and I, I just let it be. Like I sat there, I called my wife, I got the kids. I felt so confident in the shot. I was like, you guys want to come out for this blood trail for sure. They oh, all come no. out up like right at dark. I got all the kids, you know, I'm just teaching them how to do blood trail. My buddy, John Adams is there. We're like, and so we get over there. I find my Luminoc, it's glowing and we start trailing and, and, uh, yeah, bull went 60 yards, pile up dead. And I'm freaking, you know, is my biggest bull, you know, 360 bull and super pumped, super amped about it. And, and, uh, then my wife goes home and finds some junk dude passed out in our bathroom. <laughs> what? So is that just the craziest day of your life? You oh, shot God. a mountain lion, shot your bull, yeah. and then there's a drunk dude in your bathroom. Drunk dude in my bathroom. I'm like, just this a is like a day. Yeah, it's some drunk dude passes out in my bathroom. Gosh, dude, that was bad. So needless to say, we've moved since then. But man, dude, that was uh, that was a trip. That was a trip. Definitely put a damper on the whole mood after that. But oh my god, it was quite the experience. 
So, but it was cool. It was way cool. Uh, Gee, now that awesome. was out there too. I didn't know they came out and helped you find it. That's got to be pretty special. Yeah, I've been, and you know, with my, because I got lucky enough, I got a bull tech this year and an actually better unit. And so um, I was planning on doing a video as soon as I got done with a hunt, but I wanted to make it really good. So I put it off, put it off. And then once you miss your window when you're doing videos, you kind of, it's too, you know, you're like, oh, well, now it's better just to wait till next year when people want to watch elk hunting videos. So I'm planning to do something really good this year for my, uh, you know, with with my last year's video and then kind of segueing into this year. So it should be it should be a good video. But yeah, it was a cool cool moment. Let's just put it that way. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, dude. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I just wanted to hear one more story. I, I actually watched the video. So was that your, I can't remember exactly, your your mom had the Kaibab tag? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was my mom. She's she's never hunted. That was her first ever, like, deer. And uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good tag. And we had kind of just rolled in there, and um, we had killed some big bucks on this hunt. It's a kaibab hunt, and you know we put down some, you know, two hundred inch type bucks, just really nice, nice bucks for that hunt. And uh, yeah, we kind of just rolled up, rolled into town, and <laughs> and I glass up this buck like right out right away, and my mom's like, I'm shooting him. He's just too cool to let go, and and uh, the way that it worked out was just, you know, because my mom, she, I wouldn't exactly say that she's going to go climbing into big canyons or really, you know, going super hard. And but she just wants to get out, spend time with her family, her her husband, and and so we, when we got on this deer, you know, he he's got just swoop beams. His beams are 28, 29 inches long, just giant on the one side, and and so they're double drop beams. But he's just, you know, just a pretty deer. He's not. He's not super giant by any means, uh, as far as um, you know, scoring. He's not gonna. He didn't score real good, but yeah, we we spot him right away. And I, she's like, I want to kill him. So then I started making a game plan and and uh, went up, found a good vantage point that I could um, locate the deer. Ended up finding him, seeing him bedded, found a clear shooting lane, went back, got my mom, and we crept in, and she was able to get prone and. 400 yards and and it was all over i mean the first day we you know i'm not gonna sit there and say don't shoot this deer when you know it's a deer that she was like you know, she was like this deer yeah, really unique and i'm not gonna turn it down and so it was uh it was a pretty cool experience you know it was way yeah fun. it looks like your dad was there too right yeah my dad was there my whole the whole family like my siblings and everybody wanted to come up they were planning to come up um, but it was just myself and my dad. My wife was planning. She was actually driving on her way up because we were all going to hunt for like five days up there. So, you know, they were going to stay for the full hunt, but everybody was planning to be there for five days. And so everybody was getting packed and ready to leave, and we were out hunting, and we happened to kill. So we like FaceTimed everybody as we're like doing the blood trail. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> oh, man. It was over before we knew it, and everybody was like, dang it, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, but it was she was happy with the deer, and that's all you can really ask for, you know. So yeah, for sure. 
That's awesome. Yep. So before we end, is there is there any last advice that you give for summer scouting or anything? Yeah, I just uh, um, I mean, I kind of almost don't want to say it just because it's like, but get your eyes behind a glass and a tripod. People that are out there freaking glassing, they're sitting there on the road. And almost, I almost don't want to say it because because we need people that are road hunting because if everybody were to bust out a good pair of binoculars on a tripod on a high vantage point, and if everybody were to do that, I don't think the deer would really stand a chance. So we almost need the people that are going to road bomb and, you know, just be doofuses out there. <laughs> but I'm telling you, get behind the glass. Your listeners are going to be like, you know, if you don't already do it, chances are I know that a lot of your listeners probably already do do this, but get behind the glass, spend more time in your optics, watching deer rather than pushing deer. Don't go bumping ridges, you know, and once you once you kind of figure out what they're going to do, watch them in their natural habitat, watch how they feed, watch how often they get up, and you'll be surprised at how much you learn. You know, just by getting behind the glass and watching them. A lot of people, they get out and they're like, oh, I saw this buck. And, you know, and I'm like, as he was running away, and you know, and he's like, do you think I could find him again? And I'm like, shoot, I don't know. You know, you never know. But <laughs> when when you can sit there and you can watch deer, um, you know, another thing, when I'm checking my cameras, I go in there and I, you know, because when you go into anywhere, you're going to, there's going to be, you got to think about your approach. You got to think about like you know which way the wind typically goes. Don't ever put uh, if you're especially if you're going to sit in a tree stand. Don't ever put it in a place that typically the wind swirls a lot. Find a place that has prevailing winds that consistent. Go in there, check your check your cameras, and then the next time that you check your cameras, pay attention to when you start to see bucks show back up because if you if the bucks are coming in every day and then you check your camera and then the bucks don't show up for two days that means that your stinky butt you know that they're that they're on edge about something and they're you know and they're consistently not coming in at, at that point you just need to yeah you control your scent control the wind there's no way that you're going to eliminate your scent completely but pay attention to the wind i can go on and on dude like honestly <laughs> i got a lot of friends that have helped me kind of learn about hunting but anybody that's passionate and loves to do it like you're going to figure it out and you just got to kind of learn from other people. But the best way that you're going to learn is from your own mistakes. So the only thing that I can tell you is just like, keep your, keep your eyes open to the mistakes you're making and you know, you, you, you should be good. But yeah, I don't know. Go on and on about this stuff, dude. I yeah. live for hunting. I work so that I can hunt. <laughs> Hopefully my boss. Well, that's, I think we've learned. <laughs> We learned a lot from you. I'm, I'm glad that you're able to share some some stuff. I, I think you definitely got got it down with preseason scouting. I mean, your bucks speak for themselves. So I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us and and some of your tips and tactics. Oh, dude, you're the man, dude. Uh, just chatting with you, dude. Super easy. You're a great guy. Dirty Giants. You're legit. <laughs> But yeah, dude, no, I'm excited for this year. I feel really good about killing another big buck. I'm hopeful, um, confident, 
but always, you know, staying humble with the fact that these animals are, their instincts are way better than mine. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this yeah. season. Hopefully, hopefully both of us can put some 